Well, hey there, everyone, and welcome to Game Store Profits. This is the show where geeks get together, talk about board games, talk about spirituality, and then some other stuff thrown in there, too. It's episode 95. <laughs> For goodness sake, who would have thought we had this much to talk about? My name's Luke Navarro. And I'm Mike Perna, and you just made us sound like the world's nerdiest cooking channel. I we did. throw a bit of this in here, and a little of that yes, in there, well. and we mix it all together and see what happens. And, you know, it's a good thing. <laughs> alright, alright, alright. <laughs> Enough with that. Enough with that. So, can I tell you, man? I am jonesing. Jonesing. For miniatures. Okay. I don't know why. It's like I woke up this week and it was just like, I need new minis. I need a game with minis. I must have armies. I must paint. I must glue. I must conquer. <laughs> In that order. Yeah, so uh, I definitely have been uh, poking around on forums and on, uh, you know, checking out uh, Cool Stuff Inc. and stuff like that, looking at uh, some miniature games. Unfortunately, both the games that I really want to play aren't out yet and aren't gonna be for a while. And what would those be? Star Wars Armada and Warhammer Fantasy Battle Ninth Edition. Uh, I had heard they were coming out with a new one. Yes. And it, it, this is... Right now it's all rumors for Warhammer, but it is looking to be one of the biggest changes in a long time. Uh, all of the armies are getting... Uh, many of them are getting scrapped. Some of them are merging. Um, and the the system of play is, I, I, I don't want to say necessarily changing, but expanding. Where you're going to have uh, more variety in the ability to play with smaller armies. Right now Warhammer Fantasy is one of those games where you look out on the table and there's like a hundred units on each side. A hundred figures on each side. That's intimidating, and it's also extremely difficult to get into, because it's expensive! Oh, I, I've i said that if I were to get into wargaming, which I probably won't, but let's just put the hypothetical out there. Based on what's currently popular and being played out and about, I would probably be drawn to War Machine. Because, I mean, come on, it's giant clockwork robots. Sure, yeah, alright. It, it's my setting. Right. Uh, Privateer Press just put out that they were putting out a brand new, basically, army in a box. Mm. And I looked at this and go, wow, that would be that would be awesome. It, there are two big reasons why I didn't get in. Well, three big reasons why I didn't get in. Uh, one, it's because I've, I've done some research in the world of War Machine, and there's a faction that I would want to play... The army in a box isn't that faction. So there's For, that. Yeah, okay. That's like the starter kit kind of a problem. Right. The other option is is that the starter kit, the I'm I'm getting an army in a box, is still $140. Right. And the third, which is tied directly to the fact that it costs $140, I don't know anyone who plays War Machine. That is problematic. Now, I do have friends who play Warhammer Fantasy, um, but any any the the reason you, we were talking about this is because what I, the rumor is is that armies are going to be now 
the the army formation. I guess I have to kind of go into a little bit of background to explain this. But it used to be that you'd get yourself a set of points, and you play different size armies depending on the game. But you know, it's normally like twenty five hundred points somewhere in there. That's pretty much meaningless. Here's the basic idea: you'd have to have at least fifty percent of your army composed of kind of standard troops. Right? So if you were the dwarves, you'd have at least 50% of your army just being, you know, dwarf guys with, you know, big heavy hammers or axes or maybe, you know, blunderbusses, something like that. You got a bunch of grunts. Right. And then you'd have another percentage for uh, heroes and then another percentage for cool stuff like, you know, your artilleries or your crazy special flying units or whatever. Oh yeah, I I love the the stuff from War Machine, man. I mean, even the 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 quote unquote basic kind of special unit is the Warjack, which is a giant freaking robot. So now what they're going to be doing is basing it around heroes. So basically, what they're doing is they're making Warhammer a little bit more like War Machine or Hordes, or they're making a the possibility of a skirmish game within Warhammer. So so the initial investment won't necessarily be quite as intense right. as so it what has you been. what you might end up doing is buying a hero who's probably a fairly decent size, pretty complex model, you know, looks really cool. And that hero might come with maybe one unit of four, you know, kind of smaller guys and then maybe one like a cannon or something, something special. Right? And you pick up that whole thing for I don't know, 70 bucks or something like that. And that's your, you know, you can use those units and you can add more of those kind of units. And of course you can get the special units and things like that and start adding, but it makes for a much easier uh, barrier to entry. But again, the problem is ninth's not officially coming out until July. So you don't want to be buying all this stuff. Right. Thinking they're going to just change it in July. Right. So that's sort of sad. And then Star Wars Armada is always just sitting out there waiting on me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, for those who don't know, it is it is essentially the fleet-sized uh, version of X-Wing. So instead, uh, of, instead of having a handful of ships, you have whole platoon... Like, I don't even know. What is the... the I mean, other than saying squadrons. Armada again... Squadrons, <laughs> yeah. Those whole squadrons of X-Wings and Y-Wings. And right, so... And... and you also have Mon Calamari cruisers and uh, Star Destroyers and, you know, uh, blockade rudders and, and big stuff like that. Um, and so... But it plays pretty similar to X-Wing. It's a little bit different, but pretty similar. Same basic concepts where you're deciding on your movement, uh, one your actions. One of the things that's interesting is the bigger the ship, the farther ahead you have to plan. Right? So the idea is if you have these smaller ships, they're more agile, not just in terms of their physical maneuvering, but in terms of their command structure. Right? So that if you're flying a giant star destroyer, it takes a little bit of time for the orders to percolate down through the the admins to be able to make major changes in plot and stuff like that. 
which you see in the movies, right? There are lots of times when there's a captain on the bridge who's like, well, we need to do this. Oh, no, no time. We're crashing into another Star Destroyer. <laughs> you know, it's like they, they can't get things done fast enough. So uh, that's a really interesting dynamic. So smaller have the ability to respond more quickly to developing situations in that game. Now, the thing is, you could only play so many games because it's too expensive to play them all. Right. And um, so it, that's that's kind of one of the limiting factors for me. And as you mentioned, it's what do people play? And uh, I'm hoping that there'll be a good community for Armada. But again, even after that comes out, which I don't even know when that's coming out. It's one of those, it's coming out sometime... Maybe right. they'll call it first quarter, and then maybe first half, and, you know, who knows. Um, but, uh, again, you don't want to buy it right away, because you have to wait and see if there's a community around it. Um, so, yeah, I'm definitely jonesing for minis. Got to break out the maybe the Saga army or something. But, uh, you know, it is, uh, it is the plague of the war gamer's life. We live in a board game world, my friend. Speaking of... You've been playing any board games lately? I have been. Uh, the past, you know, couple episodes, it's been, I'll say one thing that I've played, and you tell me all the 15,000 other ones that you've played. This this time, we're doing the opposite, because you have been just pining for the days of wargaming that hasn't happened yet, and I'll tell you that I've been playing a boatload of stuff. Uh, I can tell you that I've gotten in some games of Doomtown, which is amazing, and every time I get new cards, it becomes more amazing. I can tell you that... Uh, I, I'm going to have to say this story. Uh, tonight, we are dealing with yet more inches of snow. <laughs> and I, I think by the time this will be over, if we get as much as they say, we'll be upwards of a foot you know, on the ground. And so, naturally, my wife's like, hey, my friend's, like, around the corner. How about we invite her over? We'll play some games and stuff. I go, yeah, absolutely. So, you have to understand that my wife deals with being tired by being absolutely silly. Okay. And we played Dixit. All right. Now, Dixit is a game that is very straightforward. We have reviews on the site, and we've talked about it before, and it's one of those classic games, so I, I don't need to spend too much time on it. But, but it's what, not a game I would call silly. No, when you play it normally, it's not. <laughs> but it, as anybody who's ever played multiple games of Dixit, especially if it's multiple games of Dixit in the same night, you realize that after a while, it, you don't... You, the categories that you mention for the cards are varied after a while. If you start off at right at first, oh, everything is is brilliant and these well-crafted sentences and everything's fun. After a while, that becomes boring. So you start limiting yourself or challenging yourself. I'm only going to say one-word things. I'm going to only say things, you know, using the names of celebrities. Like, the most <laughs> ridiculous stuff. Well, my wife, my wife in her state of absolutely over-exhausted silliness came up with her own variation. Wheel of Fortune dicks it. Oh, 
Okay, I'm not immediately grokking what that's going to be about, but let's let's I, hear it. <laughs> I didn't either. <laughs> and at first I thought she was just speaking gibberish. <laughs> she looked at me and, and she said, Wheel of Fortune uh, dicks it. This is how it works. Now, have you, have you seen the game show that is Wheel of Fortune? Yes, I, I have seen Wheel of Fortune okay, at some point know, during my life. You know, it's only I, been on for like fifty years. I, I I just have to set this up. I'm you know work with me. It's a narrative device. <laughs> I, I I ask her. I said, what, "How is it Wheel of Fortune?" She says, "You know the bonus round at the end, where they give you R S T L and E, and you have to give them three consonants and a vowel." Yeah, mm-hmm. you can only give three consonants to talk about your card, and I said, "That's ridiculous. That's that's over the top silly." Well, it gets to be her turn, and she didn't tell us that she was transitioning to Wheel of Fortune Dixit, <laughs> but she was transitioning to Wheel of Fortune Dixit, and she said SPD. That's what she said, SPD. And the card that she played was this kind of shipwrecked boat in the middle of this desert. It's a really cool looking card. But we're like, what? what is SPD? And she goes, shipwrecked. And and we were just at a loss. And she, and, you know, with no explanation, again, not telling us that she had transitioned into this new fun style of Dixit that she had come up with. She just again repeats... SPD! Shipwrecked! And and after a while I realized, oh! Shipwrecked! She goes, yeah, it's the letters! Shipwrecked! We're doing Wheel of Fortune Dixit! And I, I can't explain to you what laughing for five or six solid minutes feels like. But we tried it. We tried two full rounds of this Wheel of Fortune Dixit. I challenge you to make any sense of this. <laughs> and if you, if you, if you are looking at Dixit and going, "Man, I used to have fun with that game, but it's just not challenging anymore." Three consonants. That's all you get. Wheel of Fortune Dixit. Please leave a comment so that I can point to my wife and say, look, honey, they love your game. <laughs> yeah, what they're going to do is they're going to end up leaving comments in three uh, three consonants. Quite frankly, I would love that. I would love, because <laughs> I'm the one that usually ends up approving the comments on the site. I would absolutely love it if I go onto the site and have to just approve 15 to 20 comments that are just three consonants. But, so yeah, so that was the insanity of tonight, which... You know, every once in a while, you gotta kick back and realize that games are silly and fun. And even the the most tried and true, I've played this 18 bazillion times game, really just comes down to who am I playing this with. Sure. But, so that was that was tonight, in the midst of snow and over-exhaustion. And we had a ton of fun with that. See, now I have this theory, right? That... Those of you with weather are better gamers. What do you mean, better? (laughs) Well, they are more passionate, more involved, more active gamers. Because we have more excuses to stay inside and game? Yes. Like, I I mean, I've told this story, it's probably ten times on this show, so I won't go into it, but when was the first time that I had gamed? 
snowed in, you know? Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's, I think that there's a reason why Gen Con isn't in San Francisco. <laughs> right. <laughs> you, you know, uh, it's warm outside. Let's go do something. <laughs> um, and I, so I, I honestly believe that, that the places where it gets cold or dark are good places for gaming. You have to have better indoor social skills than you do here. <laughs> because if you don't, you're going to go insane and create <laughs> Wheel of Fortune Dixit. There you go. <laughs> uh, I can also tell you that, you know, we've mentioned this a bunch of times. Haven't done a review. Haven't done anything. I'm gonna, at some point, get Lance on here to talk about it. I've played Kings of Israel now. Finally, I have been waiting for this conversation for like, I don't know, six episodes, something like that? So have I, because let me tell you, there's a reason that every time I've mentioned Kings of Israel, I say, we've been waiting for a good Bible game, because most of them suck. The fact that I have been trying so hard to get this to the table is because people are so leery... (laughs) Of the horrible Bible games of the world. Really? It's actually had an effect? I will tell you that there there has not been a gathering of gamers in my area where I have not produced the box of Kings of Israel and said, hey guys, let's play this, and have just had absolute looks of apathy. <laughs> I won't say they outright downgrade the idea and refuse to do it, but just like, Oh, we could do that. That's a thing that could happen. And I I will say that it took a while, but I'm glad we fought through it. I'm glad I found three other people to play this game with me. Let me tell you this. Before I go through the... This is my judgment on the game. I will tell you that I liked this game. Alright. I will tell you that, yes, I will still back my statement of this is the only Bible-based game that I've had fun with and I think is valuable as a game. Getting that out there because for the... I'm going to go full review style on this. I will talk about a couple things that if you don't get past these, you won't find the good game. If you've ever played a game of Pandemic or... A game of anything, really, in your life. Cooperative game. Any kind of cooperative game. Skip the easy and skip the regular modes of playing this game and go right to expert. Wow, that's interesting. (laughs) Because I've been playing a whole lot of Pandemic The Cure, which, as a reminder, folks, is the dice version of Pandemic. And everybody's like, oh no, we're playing on on intro, because that game is freaking hard. <laughs> and... right. I, I will, when it comes to games like Pandemic and stuff like that, I will tell people straight up, go easy, because you'll never win on the hard. Yeah, it's, yeah. That is why I'm telling you right now, if you get Kings of Israel, forsake that mentality. Because okay. you will miss out. On how this game gets good. Wow, you, that's a you, big statement. That I I will tell you that. See, in most all cooperative right, ex- games, explain. Continue. <laughs> in most cooperative games, 
where is the the fun is in the challenge of it because there is no winner right so cooperative games sort of need to be ex- difficult right i will tell you that after playing a handful of games of kings of israel on the normal version or the easy mode i did not even for one moment feel like we weren't going to win wow there was not a single moment without going to the expert rules where I did not feel like we would win. Okay, so give us an idea of, first off, we've talked about it a lot, but since this is the, the actual conversation about the game. <laughs> now that I can actually present gameplay. What the game is. Kings of Israel, basically each person is playing as a prophet who is trying to keep Israel safe and to establish the worship of God throughout the nation. So the goal is to build a certain number of altars throughout the, the you know the, the places of the nation, all the while trying to get rid of sin and tear down uh, idols. Okay. You do this very much in accordance with you know the kind of pandemic rules we've all gotten used to. Prophets can go to a town, can re- remove sin by an action of what's called preaching to the people. Uh, and you move one little cube away. Uh, there is... Obviously, you're moving around. You're trading goods. Because there are cards similar to Pandemic in the fact that there's... Instead of, you know, finding disease stuff and, and matching stuff, you you have to find stuff to build altars. Okay. I, I believe it's stone, gold, and wood. Sure. And when you have stone, gold, and wood, you can build an altar. Okay. There's also... The, the movement mechanic is actually pretty interesting because move is, you know, just straight up, you move one, just kind of like you're used to in Pandemic. You can also do, uh, there are certain cards, uh, wheat, I believe, and uh, cows. And, you know, so these are like offerings. Yeah, and what you do, there's a couple of ways that those cards are used. Individually, you can use them to increase your movement, kind of like... Eating okay. on the road. Sure, sure. Yeah. So if you use one Fast of those food. cards, right, if you use one of those cards, you're you're given the energy. Instead of moving one, you can move up to three. Okay. It really helps you get all the way around really well. If you use them in conjunction in the in the same location as you have an altar, you can do a sacrifice. And what a sacrifice does is it is pretty much the good version of a pandemic outbreak. Okay. Because what happens is, is that you clear out all the sin on the, the location that you've performed the sacrifice mm-hmm. and you take one sin cube away from every location that's adjacent to that altar. All right. So that's exactly the good version it's, of an outbreak. It's the good version of a pandemic outbreak. So okay. instead of awfulness happening, the bad version, the the normal version compared to Pandemic, is what happens when you, uh, much like in Outbreak, when you pile up sin, uh, when you pile up disease cubes and disease cubes spread everywhere. This happens where if you if you pile up enough sin cubes, you build an idol. And that idol has to be eliminated because you can't build an altar if there's okay. an idol. And it also has very similar mechanics that it produces bad stuff on basically everywhere there's okay. a, a, again like pandemic there are multiple loss conditions sure. 
if you have to build an idol and there aren't any, you lose. It's it, again, used, it's a similar, similar idea to the way Pandemic plays. And the goal is to build the altars. If you, as as long as you've done that, you're fine. So, the reason that I didn't feel any kind of emergency was I was playing with there was four of us all together. Okay. And. Again, we had no shortage of materials because you can use actions to just pull up more cards, pull up more cards, pull up more cards. There wasn't that idea of we were going to run out of cards because that's not built in. If you if you run out of resource cards, you just deal with what you've got. There's also not the, the map isn't as big as Pandemic. There are fewer spots to go. There are some interesting things like occasionally when you're adding new sin cubes, you have the nations, which if you pull one card for the nation, you put a sin cube on each thing that that nation touches. So that that's kind of neat. But we had no problem getting the resources we need, getting the to the places we needed, and we had absolutely no problem just wiping the floor. with every, At one point, everybody in the round straight up just drew resource cards. Because there wasn't anything to do yet. We had cleared the board. And if you've ever played a game of Pandemic, there is never a moment when you've cleared the board. Well, what it sounds like that this is is sort of missing is the... I'm trying to remember what it's called in Pandemic. Um, in Pandemic, the cure, they're called epidemics. Yeah, they're called epidemics in the regular ones. Too. Okay. Where basically... All of the work that you've done is now trashed, and you're throwing it all back into the game. That does happen. Okay. But it does not happen nearly as often. All right. See, that's, you know, because in Pandemic, and, you know, Pandemic, Forbidden Island, Castle Panic, uh, Robinson Crusoe, uh, you can continue. (laughs) You know, if you pull things in the wrong order, you could have two of those back-to-back, and you're doomed. So it seems like... So tell me about that mechanic. Well, again, it, you're you're pulling at the at the end of everyone's round. You're basically pulling sin, and it works in a very similar way that pandemic works in the fact that there's you know for every you pull a card if it's that nation you put a sin cube on it sin cube sin cube sin cube. the The big thing for me was was that there wasn't any we. I we played a full game having only seen one of the pile everything back on top. We played a full game and only saw it once. Okay, so they're just are, are you saying basically in terms of their frequency in the deck, they're low? Either that or we had really lucky. the luckiest roll ever. Okay. So that's going to be that's going to be my big thing. Don't don't do the easy. We didn't play quote unquote easy mode. There is a at the end of the rule book there are two things. It says for easy mode, do this. We right. didn't do that. We just you did, did the standard. Standard, flat out, this is how you play. Did not feel any danger whatsoever. It is only when you do the expert, because the expert introduces this little guy called the false prophet. And the false prophet is pretty much the board game equivalent to AI. And he just goes around ruining your day. 
there are certain rules, and I won't go through all of them, but he is his own little figure on the board, and he just starts marching around, adding more sin cubes, tearing down altars. He just goes around ruining your day. Is he controlled by a player, or is he just a mechanic? Funny, you should ask, you should ask that. Because there are a couple different ways to do this. If you're playing a four, the regular four-player game, it says to use it as kind of just a board game AI. It is not controlled by a player. It, it gives you a list of these are the rules that allow him to move. He'll move in certain directions. He'll never be in the same place as a prophet. He'll always move towards the nearest altar. There's a bunch of different rules for, that, that govern how he moves. But again, he just starts ruining your day. Every, every move he makes, he just drops little sin cubes and he adds more. He just, he adds that element of crap. If we don't do something about him, we're in trouble, which was completely missing without him. The other option, which now I actually, I actually on Twitter, I hopped on and I'm like, like, Hey, Lance, here's the thing. Has anybody ever tried having somebody control the false prophet in a four-player game? Because when you're five and six, there are negative characters. There's the false prophet and the thief that basically win if the prophets fail. So again, their whole job is to ruin everyone's day. I said, has anybody ever played it with the, the false prophet being a player? So there's three good prophets and one false prophet. Quite frankly, I will recommend that. Oh my goodness, I will recommend that. If you're looking for a challenge, if you're looking for that co-op game that has, that bites like Pandemic, that has that, I'm scared that we're not going to make it through this, play three prophets and a false prophet. Because that is awesome. Because the false prophet then has a person behind it who can plan and scheme and make things hard for you. And I cannot say enough good things about this game if that's the way you're playing it. If you're playing five or six people, throw both the bad guys in. If you're only playing four, play with the bad guy, because otherwise it's too easy. But with them, it's great. Wow, are... that's that's significant. <laughs> yeah, I, I I will say it. It, it, it. Now, again, it depends on what you're going for. If you just want to play a, a sweet little game with your kids that happens to be about the Bible, because I'll tell you what, man, we were, of, of those playing, all of us have been Christians for a very long time. Two of us are seminary graduates, and we're like, wow, this is really helpful. Like, I didn't remember that this was north and this was that the geog the, the geography of this game is great. Because especially if you're you're dealing with, you know, reading through the Old Testament and this happens here and this happens here, and a lot of times we just kind of read over that and say, sure. Oh, you know, we don't put it within the geographic context. And just putting the board down will help you do that. Right. Obviously obviously it's huge glossed over but it gives you that perspective of oh okay this is south and this is north and this is right here and this and it, it puts things into perspective so if you're playing this just to get that bible perspective play it however you want it'll do that for you 
it'll give you an interesting concept of the timeline of the kings, even though, again, it's a board game, so you can't obviously go through the entirety of the history, but it does a decent job of that. It, I will say that uh, my favorite feature that I said before I ever played the game is still my favorite feature. The foretold events are a really interesting concept, and if you're, if you're not... If you're playing with the bad guys to the point where you're worried about things and forget that bad things are coming, foretold events can be nasty. Because uh, the way foretold events work is that basically every round you're getting something horrible happen to you. Uh, We had things like, you can't pick up cows anymore. This entire round, if you pick up a cow, you have to get rid of it. Which is awful if you need one. (laughs) There's, There's all these cards that do bad things. Foretold events basically say, all right, for every player that you have, you you put that many cards on top of this one. It basically works along the lines of any time in the Old Testament when a prophet was sent to a people and said, straighten up and fly right or God's going to bring the hammer down. But he's giving you this time right now to repent. So we had a foretold event that basically that said something along the lines of you're going to add idols to these cities if you don't have a prophet on them when this foretold event hits. Okay. If you are not prepared with a prophet in that city, bad things will happen. And so we we found ourselves planning. Okay, you guys hang to the south because we need to be able to put people here and here otherwise we're in trouble. And if you're if you're dealing with these guys who are listening to you say that, and so like I can imagine the false prophet being like, "Oh, you're gonna do that? Well, I'm gonna make it really nasty for you in the north, so it's gonna draw you up there, and you'll forget about that." Again, when you're playing it without that bad guy, there was no pressure, so we just had two of our people sit down there and wait for it. But if you add that pressure, that becomes a whole other level to this. So I, I think that I even did this on when I when I rated this on Board Game Geek, I said, I go, it's a six. It's a good game. However, if you throw in this other stuff and you really bring in the nasty parts, if you bring in the, the nasty element and make it that challenging kind of danger like you'd get at pandemic, I'd even call this an eight. I would I would make this a game that I would look forward to playing to. But you need to be able to go in there and put that nastiness in there. Because without it, it's just... It's fun, and I can't... I you know Eventually we want to have Lance on here. So I'm, I want to be completely honest with this game. It, it's good. I, I will not say anything bad about it. It's good. I, my recommendation still holds. I, I, I don't in any way want to make it so that... It seems like I wouldn't recommend this game. I still would. But as far as the the game-to-game experience, for me, playing with it without the bad guys, it's an experience. It happens. Playing it with the bad guys is awesome. And I I would not recommend playing it without the bad guys. So... Why do you think... Uh, okay, I'm asking this question for a specific reason. Do you think the sort of easier mode, if you will, 
be, was the standard because the target audience was going to be church folks and people who don't normally play board games? Or do you think it's just a matter of they designed the game and it turns out that the basic mode is just not quite as fun as the more advanced mode? No, I, I think that this was targeted that way. Which is why I, I preempted my little my little I'm gonna say some bad things about this game with Yeah, I think this is a good game and I really like it. Because I think that that was the intention. Because there's a lot of other stuff that goes along with this game. This isn't... I, I don't think this was a game that was designed for the, the guys who play Pandemic for, you know, days on end trying to save the world and, and can't. I think this was designed to be a fun experience. But, I mean, they also... You can, you can download a Bible study using this board game. And I didn't, I didn't do that because I haven't had the time to do that. But, you know, that, I think that's kind of more the target demographic for this as far as, as the, the normal game experience. It's a, it's a light thing to get people talking, to get people interacting with the world, to get people into, oh, that time when I read this in the Bible, it happened here, that's kind of neat. And it does that perfectly. So, so kind of what you're saying is, well... In general, we tend to look at Christian games and say, that's not a good game. It's just bad. This is good. No, yeah, this is not... I will not say... But it's a say, Christian game. I will not say that it's bad. Not even kind of. It is good. Even even though we didn't have that danger, and even though we, you know, I felt there was something missing in the experience, there was nothing bad that I could say about it. We had fun... But it, was, it wasn't the kind of fun that I was expecting for me personally as a guy who is neck deep in the hobby and loves games with that intensity and has played more games of Pandemic than I can count. But I can count the times I've won, which is six. This game needed something for that mentality, for me. Right. But for somebody who's like, man, I really wish there was some way I could get my junior high kids to be interested in where things are in the Old Testament or, right. you know, I need something, you know, I want to get games into my Bible study, but my the parents of these kids are really super conservative and really get leery about board games. This fits that niche perfectly. Right. So, you know, it was a question that we wondered about, I wondered about when this game came out. Or no, before the game came out, when we heard about the game, when it was talked about, right. was... Where does this game fit? And now we know the answer. It fits in a Christian bookstore. Are there Christian bookstores anymore? I don't think so. But if there were, hey, there's probably Lifeways still in Texas. But that's kind of the vibe of what the game would be about. As it happens, there's also a more advanced version that's fun for gamers. Right. But it, the heart and soul of this is a Christian family game. I would say that it's it's core. I mean, if you just look, use the standard rules as written, that's the experience. Right, much think, better than most Christian family games, which is far awesome. above and beyond most of them, and completely valuable. And but, I would say, I would say also that he knew he they they did a good job of saying this isn't going to scratch that itch unless we put some bite in it. 
let's put some bite in it for the expert player. And I think they did that well. But you do have to, again, if you've played Pandemic, if you play lots of games, don't even bother with the regular. Go straight to the expert. Just do it, because you'll have a much better experience, and you will like the game so much more if you put that in. Well, cool. I'm glad that you guys got it, that you got a hold of it, and that you got to play, and, you know, those are the kind of things that you can't know just by reading the description. I would never have guessed that it would have not had as much difficulty just by reading the description or by looking at the game. It's something that has to be played. And... um you know, uh, is it possible to still get a hold of this game? Do we know? Uh, I believe so, and I know they still get cop- They still have copies of it available. They're selling it on their website. Uh, I imagine that if they get a lot of people writing them and saying, "Hey guys, I I love this game. Can I get a copy of it?" I I'm pretty confident that they would find a way to make more. But uh, I don't know the overall availability yet. Again. I'm hoping to hop on Twitter after we're done here saying, hey, we just talked a significant amount about Kings of Israel. We'd love to have you guys on. So hopefully in the future we'll be talking to them directly so that we can hear if if I'm just playing the game wrong and I should <laughs> Which is completely possible. So uh, I, I just did a little bit of research. You can actually go on Amazon and buy this game right now. There we go. So check that out uh, if you guys are interested in that. Um, I am sure that there are a number of members of our audience for whom that have this particular itch that needs scratching. And and I will tell you too that if you're going to be at Gen Con, I have had multiple people request that I bring it with me, and I fully intend on doing that and having multiple games played of Kings of Israel at Gen Con. I don't know if the guys from Fun Hill Games will be there or not. I think they were still wondering about that. They were still trying to make it work. But whether they are or not, I've I've told them that I will be running games and they sounded pretty happy about that. We'll see if they're still happy about that after they hear this. Uh, yeah, no, I, I fully intend on bringing it and I will show you how awesome it can be when the false prophet starts running around and just being awful. <laughs> awesome. Well, uh, you know, Gen Con is coming in, uh, I believe, the, is, is in mid-May. Is that right? No. No, no, no. It's end, in... End of July. It's summer, end of July. Uh, that's something you're looking forward to. I am. You, what, you know what else you're looking, we're looking forward to? What's that? Episode 100 of this little podcast. We are. I, I still don't know what to think of this. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing, obviously, but we uh, we've been doing this for a long time. Um, it'll be four years in July. Oh, good golly! <laughs> uh, so, folks, we are do- having our episode 100 show up. It's going to be a little bit different than most of our episodes, um, and I-, I-, I have a strange feeling it might be episode 100 and 101. We'll or see how it goes. A and 100B. 100B. <laughs> something. Because um, it does seem a little bit less interesting if it's episode 101. But uh, we are having a lot of old friends uh, and uh, hopefully some new friends as well. Folks who've 
been on the show, who've been part of Inroads, been part of Game Store Profits, onto the show, and we are going to chat a little bit. And uh, you know, with it's amazing looking back. We uh, we just did an we're not, I'm not going to say who, but we just did an interview. We've recorded uh, the first one of many. Yes, and the thing is, is that our initial interview with these folks was a really long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> so much so that I had to like stop and remember it. You know, I had to like think about it. And to think about just how much has gone down on this show over the last 90, well, 94 episodes right now. Um, and then, of course, outside of the show as well with some of the other things that we're doing and the th- way things are expanding. Um, boy, howdy. I did not have... I didn't think God was going to do any of this stuff. You know, I thought maybe we'd do three episodes. <laughs> um, but uh, we've certainly done more than that. So, man, uh, what are you looking forward to here on episode 100? Uh, there's a number of things. I'm, I'm actually going to put together a little video. I don't know if I'll get it done tonight, but I want to. We'll see how my consciousness lasts but uh you're gonna see a video of some of the stuff that i'm super excited about i'm I'm really looking forward to getting these people back because when you really think about it we've had a bunch of of really awesome people who've been doing really cool things and and have only been expanding let's just put some out there some of them have been making role-playing games uh, the guys at Game Church went from, hey, we do this thing on the internet, to they're going to have their own little mini-conference in the very near future. Like a couple months from now, they're running a conference. Uh, let's see. Rolling Dice and Taking Names, we're going to have Marty back. Marty's been doing, their channel has been blowing up. They've got the YouTube going on. He's got his wife doing stuff with him on the, the YouTube channel. Those guys would be just teamed up with some awesome people. They're doing role playing game stuff. That that to see the people that we talk to when we talk to them, and you know, Luke was just saying how how excited we are that all this stuff that we've been doing has been blowing up since then. But to not see that is to see that it's not just us, but it's everybody that has been a part of this has just seen so much awesome stuff that God has been doing in the in the work that they do it's it's really encouraging and I'm really looking forward to seeing them back again uh, I also I want to open up the doors to all of you guys who listen to us all of you guys who have been writing to us with emails hanging out in the tavern uh, we I, one of the, the things I'm super looking forward to is you know from the very beginning we, we talked about our number one fan which is a, a woman by the name of Heather Johnson. And she has been part of our, our fan base since we could point to a fan base. And has contributed a bunch of stuff to the tavern. Uh, she has some, some really awesome stories about going from a person who's never really gotten into like role-playing games and stuff to running event you know, you know running games for her son and her and his friends to running Numenera online and stuff like that. So we're going to have her talk, but I want her to be just one of the voices we get. I, I really want to hear from more people. So even if you just want to like drop us a line and say, hey guys, I think you're awesome and I just wanted to tell you. Or if you want to tell a story about 
uh, how your gaming has developed. Especially, I'd love to hear stories about if you're doing ministry around the gaming table. We really want to hear that, but we want to hear from you guys. And I'm super looking forward to that. I want to hear that. So if you can get any kind of audio file and send it to us at contactedinroadsministries.com, I I want to hear it. And I can't promise anything because I'm hoping that my inbox is going to explode at this moment when I when you hear this. I will say that I will listen to all of them, and I will probably make comments about all of them. And if we really like what you're saying, and, and you know, we really... And you're not crazy. That's what he's trying to say. I wasn't going to paint with that brush, <laughs> but... I will. You know. <laughs> Basically, I, I will tell you that, that if you send us an audio clip and we like it, we'll put it on. We'll, you'll be part of episode 100. You'll be, be part of GSP history, so... You know, I think... Uh... I'm looking forward to it, and you know what I'm also looking forward to is that beyond episode 100. Now, I realize that it's an arbitrary thing. 100 episodes, okay. You know, or four years, or whatever. They happen to be about the same time, a little bit off. But, uh, you know, I I know that this is going to be a big year for us. Just because I'm on the board. I know what's happening. Uh, <laughs> um, we have but, a board. That's exciting. You know, we, we, we have major steps uh, that we'll be taking this year. And, and in some ways, I feel like leading up to episode 100 has been a... We, we've just, you know, we've been on the boat. And we've just been floating along with the current. And... You know, we've been content. We've been comfortable. We've been happy. Current has taken us to some pretty cool places. We've seen some pretty cool things. Haven't run into any krakens. Things are great. (laughs) Anytime the seas don't contain, you know, horrible monsters, we're good. But I do feel like now, and I'm trying not to push this analogy too far to to destroy the spirituality of it. (laughs) But maybe if, I'll tell you, okay, I was going to say I feel like now we have an engine. No, now we have wind. Aha. Aha, see? See what I did there? That's why I went to seminary, folks. Um, <laughs> Pull that illustration out of this. Yeah, and, you know, I feel like that that we have hit this point where it is, we are accelerating rapidly. And, uh, you know, again, we, we truly do believe that God is still in charge. He is still directing this thing, we're just basically the morons who are driving, you know, who are riding along. Um, but, I, I I don't know, I feel like something, there's been a shift. There's been a shift in the wind, so to speak. Oh, yeah, I, there's no doubt in my mind. There's absolutely no doubt in my mind. There are more people doing this than ever. When we first started this, it was us and maybe a couple other people who were doing general geeky things. Now I've got students from colleges that are saying, I want to do a report about using games in ministry. I've got guys who are out there actively using video and, and board games as, as ministry saying, how do I partner with you guys at Inroads? We've got all this stuff, all these people from across the country and across the world are getting together and we get to be part of that and I'm super excited. So I will I will agree completely that as as juiced up as we are for episode 100 and we really are. I I really think that 
beyond episode 100, we're going to start seeing some some really great things. And, you know, some of that includes more, more podcasting. Uh, not just, you know, more GSP, but just more stuff. And, yeah, super excited, super excited. As am I. Uh, you know, folks, we... Uh really want you to connect with us. I don't know if we could say it anymore, uh, but we are not this ministry. Nope. We are just the guys who get to talk. Yep. And frankly, this is the easy part. The, those of you guys who are on the tavern, who are writing, who are out there doing the things that we talk about, you guys are doing the good work. And we want to connect with you. We want to share what you're doing we want to be part of it uh, even if it's little stuff like I today somebody posted and was like hey what games are good on I forget what device they were asking for but you know on my device boom we're there to answer not just us but the whole community is there to answer um, and so uh, we want you to connect with us uh, the best way to do that is by going to not game store profits but going to our our larger website Inroads Ministries. So go to inroadsministries.com/contact, or you just go to inroadsministries.com and poke around a little bit, um, and you will find whatever your preferred method of hooking up with us is. You will find it there. Um, you know, I, I strongly recommend that you at least try out the tavern. Uh, the tavern is our Facebook. I don't remember page fan page. Group. It's a group. It's a group. Whatever, it's a Facebooky thing, <laughs> and uh, there's likes and comments and stuffs. There's there's lots of opportunities. There's the, there's the tavern, which is our Facebook group. We do have a Facebook page, but that's mostly just for news. Hit the tavern. There's a link to it on inroadsministries.com. Uh, you can also find our a, a fairly new thing that kind of didn't get much fanfare, but I, I'm actually super excited about it. There's also our, our email subscriptions where once a month, basically the end of the month, if, you know, because people are busy and, you know, we want to make sure that you see all the stuff that's available on the website. Once a month, you'll get one email and it'll say, here's links to everything that came out this month on inroadsministries.com. And it's a one-stop thing where it'll give you all the headlines that came out and you can, you know, just look over everything that's there. Uh, I put that out. I am intentional about making it so it's only once a month so that you're not filled with spam. And it's a good place to just get all that content that you might have missed otherwise. Mm, filled with spam. Mm, oh. <laughs> so there's that. I, I am on every social media known to man at this point. Well, not really because there's always usually at least one or two that pop up overnight. But... I do as many as I can. I answer Twitters. I answer emails. I I will do all of that stuff. Please, please, please send us anything. And I promise you that I will put eyes on it. I promise you that as soon as it's physically possible, I will respond. I will tell you that one thing that I really, really hope is that you're listening right now and you say, Man... I have this great article idea. Or, man, I'd love to see this happen on the website. Man, I wonder why all the content is either videos or podcasts lately. 
I will give you the reason for that. The reason for that is because most of the article writing is done by yours truly. Hey, and I, I wrote one. You wrote one. I think over four years... No, over <laughs> over one complete year of inroads, you've written two. That, that's about right. <laughs> and so most of this is on me, and we've had some great contributors that fill in those gaps. And I, I want to see more contributors. I want to see more people contributing to this and adding to that, partly because I want to hear as many voices from as many faith traditions as far as, as different denominations, different experiences, different parts of the country. I want to hear so many different angles on how this works. Also, because I, I have recently taken on the role as president of Inroads, which also means I have a lot of administrative stuff going on that got added to my plate, and I still have the day job. So that's why a lot of content has basically been the content that I've already done. I need your help. This is no this this goes beyond I just want to see this. This is me asking you. I need your help. If you've if you're one of the people who've come and contacted us through Twitter or Facebook or through email and said, "Man, I'm really I really want to put out this idea. I had this idea for an article for Inroads. I just need to sit down and do it." Now is the time, people. Now is the time because I'm confident with you that I would love nothing more than to work with you to get more stuff on our site. I want your voice to be part of what we're doing. So send us your pitch ideas. Again, contact at inroadsministries.com and we will make sure that we can work with you and see about getting more stuff on the site. Awesome, folks. Uh, as you can tell, we've got a lot going on, and we are so thankful for it, and we're thankful that you hang out with us, and it really allow us to do this. So uh, we set off, as we always do, and remind you that God is a game master, and no matter how the dice fall, the game plays on. <laughs>